0: What's up? Hey, hey, hey. Nev it's so good to like talk to you again. Like I feel like I haven't seen you in a minute. It's a gorgeous May outside. I mean it's cold, but the sun is shining, the birds are chirping. It's a beautiful day to be alive, don't you think?
1: Girl, you are clearly traveling because Chicago is wet and rainy, girl. I'm over here trying to live my different best life. But, you know, I I, I can see spring and summer on the horizon. So that is good. Uh, I mean, I guess weather-wise because, you know, with this nonsense um, that's going on with the Supreme Court trying to roll back uh, reproductive rights for women, uh, no bueno right i
0: mean you're right i guess it's not that nice outside and socially the social like surely the social climate is like not that good either i mean we weren't even planning to talk about abortion and reproductive rights but i kind of feel like we need to pivot uh given the moment we're in what do you think is that all right
1: yes sir Uh, a pivot (laughs) indeed is needed and necessary let's do it
0: so uh you know we found out late may 2nd that documents around the supreme court decision um were leaked that essentially are slated to overturn overturn roe v wade uh, so politico dropped this article um, that night explaining like the initial draft majority opinion which was written by Justice Samuel Alito, boo, said that the 1973 case must be overturned because it was egregiously wrong from the start. I mean, to me, this is terrifying. Uh, it just is really, really scary for our future. Uh, Political did go on to say, you know, I guess maybe not complete alarm, but I'm still alarm. They did go on to say that, like, you know, the votes can change, among the justices and due to some like politicking like vote trading we won't really really know what the verdict is for another two months or so but it's not looking good so what do you think
1: yeah exactly it's not looking good and you know i was listening to a different um kind of podcast on npr the daily by michael barbeau uh, which is titled, You Know, Is This How Row Ends? And one of the things they talked about, and Alita, they, they talked about like what Alito opinion kind of said and so this idea that it was uh, Roe v. Wade was egregious from the start and the idea that um, abortion doesn't appear in the constitution I'm like of course it doesn't it was written by rich white men and I always go back to y'all really putting all y'all weight in these what these rich white men said and thought was best and here we are today trying to undo the issues and problems but yeah that that just um it it I think it for me has been really frustrating um, as a, a advocate and ally, and because I know a lot of people that this this came up uh, a lot for this semester for me in class for my students being really worried about um, this attack on women, this attack on reproductive rights, um, and and what it might mean. So, um, yeah, I think it feels like a lot of. Uh, folks who are don't hold power in society right now and in, in an institutional standpoint are really um, on the attack, or being attacked.
0: So we know that in 1973, the Supreme Court ruled on Roe v. Wade and essentially said that access to abortion was a protected right in the United States. However, like I wanted to learn a little bit more about where this anti-abortion movement came from, Like is it something new you know like 1973 was not that long ago it was like a blink you know and so like is this a new thing has this been going on since our country was founded like what's going on and as i was looking this up i discovered that actually opposition to abortion did exist you know prior um to the 70s but um it really existed on a smaller state level so there were people that you know clustered on individual states but the Roe v. Wade um, ruling actually made it a national movement, and we're going to talk about that, I guess, a little bit more. But I just, you know, was curious uh, how this looked before then, and what I found was that before Roe v. Wade, anti-abortion sentiment, like people that were not for um, women being able to choose their choose what's best for their bodies. Anti-abortion sentiment was expressed across the aisle, so it wasn't only like a Republican thing or conservative thing, like it was Democrat and Republican. And the reason why, at least as it has was explained, was because the Democrats actually represented uh, many of those in office represented a lot of Catholic um, constituents, and so didn't want to rock the boat by being, you know, pro-abortion rights when they knew a large, you know, a lot of um, their constituents were Catholic and were um, anti-abortion. So I want to know, Nevin, you know, what do you think about that? Like, did you ever kind of confront your thoughts on abortion while growing up Catholic, being raised in the Catholic Church and in Catholic schools? Tell me. Do you got me.
1: Not the Catholics out here. while And um, this, you know... I I've come to realize very recently that my experience as a Catholic was very different than experiences of other Catholics. Uh, I had a student that talked about kind of the harm that was done uh, around them in the Catholic Church toward like these messages about abortion or um, uh, LGBTQ plus folks. And honestly, I never was in a service where any of this was ever talked about and then at home of course we were our family was very uh uh, pro-choice um pro um lgbtq plus like and so um yeah so i just feel like maybe i was uh raised in a catholic paradox or something (laughs) so yeah What about you?
0: Oh, that's so funny that you said that. I didn't even think about like the actual services, but yeah, like growing up, and I know the church has done in the past and currently is doing, you know, harms um, to various groups of people. But as I sit and think about like services, I never remember anything explicitly about LGBTQ plus folks. Or abortion or anything like that, and so I think you're right. I think our upbringing probably was not the norm. I guess I I don't I don't know, <laughs> but I definitely remember going into other religious houses and hearing stuff not necessarily about abortion, but about um, gay people and you know and all of the 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 harm that comes around that. But so I remember going to other churches, not Catholic, but other churches, and mm. being like, oh, this is new I've never heard anybody say this kind of stuff. Um but I just think what's ridiculous is that we did grow up Catholic but lived in this paradox where like mom was very pro choice and clearly a pro you know women's rights and whatever but I remember growing up in Philly and being in a um pro um like essentially pro life rally. I remember like being in my uniform and the school at the time had us like marching. And I don't even know what we were saying. Like, I don't remember what we were saying, but I remember coming home telling mm. mom like, Oh, we did this parade. Like, I didn't even know what it was. And she sat me down and she's like, <laughs> let me tell you something. And this was li- when I was little. Cause I don't, again, I don't remember this in the service or anything at all, but she's like, let me tell you something. Abortion is uh legal abortion is good for women. We are not, uh, pro-life and I even using that word right um, we're not pro-life we're pro-choice we feel like women should, should, can make the best decisions for their bodies and here's why
1: yes mama come through come come through mama with the information uh, each one reach one teach one never too young <laughs> to learn I'm so glad uh, she had uh, gave you that information because she gave me a similar talk but not as maybe explicit but yes
0: so funny I wonder if other Catholics kind of grew up that way too in this kind of being of two minds you know Mm. like I guess knowing or being exposed to um, Catholicism and um, maybe knowing that Catholics say that they're you know anti-abortion but then also in your in your heart of hearts or what you actually espouse and believe is something different I wonder if we're you know unicorns in that way I don't know this idea of like, illegality, you know, an abortion being illegal, I was also kind of fascinated with that. Like, why, why is it illegal? um, Illegal today? You know, was it illegal then to participate in abortion or receive an abortion? And Hmm. I read this NPR article that was so fascinating. It was talking about um, in the olden days in in uh, Great Britain and England, an abortion was considered um, legal up until the point in which the fetus could move. Um, and then still at that time, even after the fetus moved, it was a misdemeanor, was not a serious offense. And it was hard to prove because who but the mama could say that the baby moved, right? So that was called quickening. Like it was abortion was legal up until quickening which is about um 14 to 26 weeks into the pregnancy or gestation and abortions were fairly accessible during that time and do you know who did these abortions take one guess
1: who um who i don't know tell me
0: women 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 yes, abortion. Shut abortion so in Western Europe and the US women you know performed these abortions total shocker right at the time it was mostly healers and midwives who went on to train other women so it was um, it was something that women I guess thought at the time was important and not only was it important but important enough to train others to be able to do this service for other women and I think what's also fascinating is after that time, what um, the anti-abortion charge was not led by the church; it was led by another group of people. You'll never guess who.
1: Um, I'm gonna say not by the church because I would say it would, uh, people with money.
0: <laughs> I like that. Yes, it was um, people with money minus myself. It's my people, doctors. Uh-oh. Doctors Uh-oh. led the charge of making abortion illegal. So in the eighteen hundreds, it's all about money. It's all about it's all about the money, baby. We should know that at this time. But so in the eighteen hundreds, doctors were trying to kind of make a name for themselves um you know at the time medicine still wasn't super organized as a profession and so they were trying to distinguish themselves from like the healers and the midwives and they sought to pass these anti-abortion laws because they wanted to squash the competition they did not want to compete even though Capitalism is a thing and people love it, right? They didn't want to compete in the market. So instead of, you know, like just providing safer abortions or better abortions for women, they just said, you know what? Abortions, we we shouldn't be doing that. That should not be the way to go. Cause we are gonna that's gonna mess up our money. We don't wanna have to compete with them. So, you know, it was kind of like the wild, wild west out there. And they started to say, you know, these doctors started to say, and they were men, white men, of course started to say that they held more medical knowledge than the healers and the midwives, although the healers and midwives have been passing on this training for generations, right? And had Mm. probably gotten pretty good by that time. So they said, we have more medical knowledge, we have more skill, we know when life begins. We are the ones to determine, we know about embryology and it should be us, not these silly healer women and midwife women. So you know, I, I'm feeling some kind of way because it's like you know, Dr. strike again. You know, um, mm. my profession sabotaged the re- reproductive rights of women because they didn't want to compete. You know, and being in business school right now, it's kind of like you were supposed to compete in the market. And <laughs> and if we really believe in these free markets and the best, you know, the best business, the best person survives. So I don't know. What you what you think? It's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, doc. That's fucked up. But. <laughs> I'm also not surprised. Um, And, yeah, and I wish right at the middle of the conversation was, like, or the reasoning would be, like, truly what's best for folks who would like to receive an abortion. But, no, it's always something else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Always something else. It's
0: always something else. So, like... Here comes doctors on the sk- scene, right? Like trying to distance themselves, trying to trying to really make um, a name for themselves, and saying that they know best for women. So by the 1880s, abortion was illegal now in most states. But women continued to practice ab- uh, abortions with little consequences. They're like, "Who's gonna check me, boo?" You know? Mm. So juries yeah. refused to convict <laughs> them. But by ni- the 1900s, ev- like every state made abortion illegal like every single state by that um point with very minimal exceptions it had to be like super duper life-threatening for the mom and even still it was really difficult to get an abortion so and they claim the reason why they were making abortions illegal is because there was danger associated with the abortions um and because there was no no pain medicine no infection control high mortality, especially abortions that were being conducted illegally. But what's interesting is that there, you know, during this time, there were a lot of procedures that were like that. You know, um, the sterilization and antiseptic use and antibiotic use wasn't really widespread at this time we're talking about the 1900s very early on and so many procedures were similar but those weren't criminalized because they were you know they were difficult procedures or hard procedures so I don't know do you smell anything fishy here or what
1: yeah um, it sounds like uh, you know these systems trying to control uh, and hold power over women their bodies and, and that being like it being something other than right the explanation that's always given. And so I'm curious to hear about, cause I wonder, cause there's gotta be, we've, capitalism's at play. I'm sure classism and racism uh, are at play too. Did you read anything about race?
0: You know, interestingly, race does show up in this story. Like, um, and I remember when mom sat me down and had to talk about being pro-choice and she talked about, you know, how many um, women died and how many black women died. And that's Mm. important that, and I think we'll, we'll talk about that, but race does show up in that, in a, in a different way though. So another article I saw noted that like the, another important factor to this anti-abortion sentiment was because actually the birth rates of white babies were declining. And some thought that the white race was actually going to be in danger. So if they allowed women, especially white women, to continue on having these abortions, then the white race would be in trouble. I think they called it like race suicide or something like that. Um, And so really put this kind of mechanism of control up to secure... White supremacy, in a way, and to continue to make sure that white people, right, the birth rates of white people wouldn't continue to decline. So white U.S. born women, so not we're not talking about the immigrants that came over. They wanted white U.S. born women to procreate, and that was really their charge. The same article said that capitalism was at play. And I thought that was really interesting because they talked about how they wanted women, you know, around the 1900s, the society, um, the industries were starting to boom and thinking about, like, the different um, industries that were popping up. And they couldn't have women leave their home, right, and and work. They wanted to keep them in these low-paying jobs. They wanted them to be, like, house house uh, keepers and they wanted them to stay home and care for the kids and socialize the kids because if all the men were at work and then the women wanted to leave work, then that would continue the decline of of birth rates. So they wanted women to be barefoot and pregnant and they wanted to have control over their bodies and their decisions. So, you know, all all the things were at play.
1: So you have racism, sexism and capitalism. Girl. the kairiarchy all striking again
0: yeah so I mean we heard about a lot of this prior to road roe v Wade um, these illegal unsafe back alley abortions and while all this stuff was happening you know how the anti-abortion people were like oh well it's because it's unsafe for women um, they're not happening safely. Um, we do know that some abortions were happening safely but many of them were not and a lot of them were super expensive like we're talking about three zeros kind of money so a thousand dollars and more in the 70s which a thousand dollars is a lot of money to me right now so in the 70s I mean we're talking about that feels like ten thousand dollars I don't know I don't know what your money looking like but thousand dollars is is difficult Um, and so you know I think That that made it tough, right? Like only the privileged who could afford a thousand plus dollars could go. And then it was it was people used it as a way, a, a mechanism to control women, even when they were seeking abortion. So there were some male abortionists or male abortion practitioners who demanded to have sex with these women before they would be willing to perform the abortion. It's like this woman comes to you, she's already in a very vulnerable situation. She probably is spending a lot more money than she even really has for this abortion. So is maybe desperate, right? And then you're like, oh, in order for me to do this, we got to have sex. Like, So another, another way to control women and really rape and the sexually assault women. Um, and so because of of that in this like system where abortion was illegal it was very expensive like if you got caught you would get in trouble these practitioners wanted to get women in and out so generally they didn't give any pain medicine right and we're we're talking we're not talking 1900s anymore we're talking 1960s 1950s early 1970s where there's clearly very good pain medicine out there and there's anesthesia and all the things just like normal but because they, it was illegal, they wanted to get women in and out. And so they didn't give them any pain medicine and often didn't take um, precautions against um, getting infections or bleeding out, hemorrhaging, like things that would kill these women. And so that, that was a problem, right? These back alley abortions and things happening um, for women who were really seeking, seeking care and needing help. So many times after the abortion, if there were complications, the abortionist was like, don't contact me. And not only that, they wouldn't give their real name. And it was really hard to circle back to them to be like, I, there's a problem. So sometimes these women would show up in the emergency room after like a full spread like infection of their abdomen, full spread sepsis, which means shock. Their body's in shock and would die because they couldn't go back. They couldn't get care. They were scared. It was illegal. And so many women would die. Um, Feminist.com presented a terrifying stat and said that in in 1969, 75% of the women that died from abortions, the majority of them were illegal. And these abortions, that 75% of them died, were mostly black women. So, you know, it is it does become very quickly a race issue, a class issue. Right. And of the legal abortions, because like I said, there was only a very small amount that um, of states that would allow these legal abortions because of, you know, life threatening situations. Ninety percent of the legal abortions were performed on white private paying patients. So again, race, class, sex, all of the things are kind of intersecting in this issue.
1: Mm, so, so please tell me that, right, hopefully the people in power politicians saw this and saw the lack of accessibility and stuff. And, and did that give way to it becoming a uh, partisan uh, issue? Or was there something else? What gave way to that?
0: no I don't think so I think honestly what drove it is is votes and trying to build you know the republican party i don't think that it really became i think it accidentally became a democratic issue i i don't see i didn't see anything that was like in the democrats took this because they knew it was the right thing to do for women i mean that's what they say now that's what democrats say now but i don't think that's how it started i think how it started was you know after roe v wade um happened republicans added fiercely anti-abortion to their platform and by them coming out publicly and saying you know we are anti-abortion we're pro-life in quotes um it recruited more evangelicals more you know very conservative christians people that really to their core believe that abortion is wrong and they want to fight they will die for that right um so this made the Republican Party really grow, and the sentiment in it really grow, and thus birth this like vitriolic landscape, and and and, and, and not only what's interesting is not only did they add this to the platform and it made it grow but it actually changed the republican party for what it was because they you know them saying this is we're anti uh, we're anti-abortion forced people to either stay and 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 conform or jump ship because this is what the new republican party is and if you're not for it you gotta go. And it's interesting because within the party there were social um, very, there were more socially aware Republicans that said this, these, this should not be tied to the party and actually called out like a- abortion's a separate issue. We need to leave mm. that alone. But because they um, added it to the platform, they recruited you know a lot of the conservatives and really it grew. It grew their Republican base. So I think because the Republicans took this hard stance and this is who we are, this is what we stand for, I think almost by happenstance, the Democrats had to take another position, right, to really mm. distinguish themselves. So, you know, that's my two cents. I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but that's what I think and that's what I've seen. Yeah. But yeah.
1: I don't know. How does support around um, access to abortion among Americans fare?
0: Yeah. You know, I, I was surprised to read that, you know, in the court of popular opinion, That almost 55 percent of americans don't think abortion should be banned 28 percent do so it's a vocal minority but it is a minority and the rest don't have an opinion either way i'm gonna need them to get on board though the ones that don't have an opinion either way y'all need to make a decision on that um but one argument that i thought was interesting was that you know some people say abortion should not be considered um, a constitutional right. And I would venture to say that's what Judge Alito was saying, Justice Alito was saying in his opinion that this was egregious and yada, yada. But um, what's fascinating is I, when I was reading all this stuff for, our, for the podcast, I'm like, you know, someone made the argument that when the Constitution was written, abortion actually was legal. So of course it wasn't, and it was my white men anyway. So would they have even included it? Mm-hmm. But that's beside the point. Abortion was legal. So how you know it's difficult to say that the that the Constitution didn't consider. There's no contextual basis for abortion when it was already legal. Why would you mm. feel the need to add this as a right mm. or add this as a thing if it was already legal? It's like saying you know it's it's illegal uh, it's legal to um you know have some citizenship in this country and then be mad because it wasn't included in the constitution mm. what well, was already legal they didn't feel like they needed to address it and again they were white men they didn't
1: give a shit let's be <laughs> i mean that part <laughs> yes oh my gosh was there anything else about the case and stuff where we are now like i think we've heard like the history and kind of somewhat how we've got here when it comes to abortion in general was there anything else that caught your mind or attention
0: i mean this is an aside so i want us to get back to like how we where we feel personally um how how we're feeling currently but the other aside that has um, been talked about a little bit less it's less of a focus on the actual content of the case. That's, um, that was argued in the Supreme Court that potentially could overturn uh, Roe v. Wade. So the other kind of worry is that the court documents were leaked. Um, so the same political art- article that uh, initially dropped this and told us that this was coming potentially said no other draft decision has ever been leaked to the public like prior to the formal decision being announced. And so I don't know what this means for the U.S. Supreme Court I don't know who, who leaked it, but it's kind of like, they already knew, they like knew that this was gonna be a problem. So wanted to get some, you know, uh, popular opinion out there, but I don't know what this means, like why it was leaked, who leaked it, was it a was it a Supreme Court justice, who, you know? So I don't know, do you have thoughts on that?
1: Shout out to Ketanji, um over there <laughs> already. No, I'm joking, I'm joking.
0: <laughs> I know, thank God she wasn't on the court because they yeah. would have said,
1: she did it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I you know, my only real reaction to that specific piece of being leaked is I appreciate it because it's giving, I think, people time to like rally or at least like for me to really get um, in, in, in a different headspace about what's coming and to see if there's anything that can be done or to prepare right folks who need to access abortion because I know a lot of things that have come up are there are states with trigger laws that once this federal precedent um, gets knocked down that uh, laws will be triggered that make abortion inaccessible so folks can start to prepare and share resources um, to that. So um, yeah, that's my biggest reaction to that piece.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I saw something that said that um, Supreme Court justices are going to have difficulty trusting each other, you know, and I don't know what that means for how decisions are made and shaped. But if they're worried that something is going to be leaked or, you know, their name tied to it, I don't know. Um, Because, you know, the Supreme Court is interesting in that they're supposed to be the highest court of the land, right? And they are supposed to not be influenced. By partisanship and they're not supposed to be influenced by the public and so you have almost an adulteration of what that process was supposed to be like right and supposed to have happened. but I'm fine with it on this <laughs> on yeah. this uh, point but you know there could be something else that comes up that is less fine that it was leaked and was leaked before it should have been um, and we might not be happy about that But, yeah, I don't know. I I, want to get back to how you're feeling and how maybe other people have come to you um, and told you how they're feeling in in this space.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, towards how I'm feeling and a response to what you just said in the, um, like, podcast that I referenced earlier, what came up is, like, a a piece is that... um, Justice Alito says that they shouldn't be swayed by um outside folks um and uh political parties when they make decisions about this and so like part of me is like at the end of the day it won't matter if we know the day of their decision or later because they're going to do what they're going to do and they have the highest power in the land and probably aren't as affected as we are but um I, I think a couple big things that come up one are the um Kind of initial ramifications, um, and so in the in what I was listening to, it said that um, what Alita's opinion and talking about it um, produces a very relaxed legal standard around abortion, which that states could have um, either anti-abortion or uh, like pro-choice laws that, as long as there is a rational basis um, that they're good. So, uh, they go on to talk about what could be considered a rational basis to enact laws that restrict abortion being that this idea of fetal life. And I say that in quotations, uh, a need to regulate the medical profession, but also, and this one I found to be the most fucked up, um, is protecting women from the consequences of their own decisions. Ooh. As if, as if women right don't have the wherewithal to, to do like that is such like just a man patriarchal sentiment like right and so it really gets my uh, blood boiling. But um, in hearing kind of uh, Alito's um, decision or, or the decision, the draft, what has come out, the biggest like fuck you in my opinion was uh the conversation that's in the draft over this idea of overturning precedents. so uh in general right the supreme court doesn't go ag- in in judges have a hard time going against what has been the legal precedence and and unless there is real reason to overturn and so in part of what you're saying right that uh, Alito was saying that it was egregious in the first place, um, and and shouldn't have existed, whatever have you. But Alito uses the idea that America and Supreme Courts have overturned, um, uh, and have gone against precedents before, and they and he specifically uses a couple cases, but some specifically are that uh, when. Brown versus Board of Education that was against precedence same-sex marriage the legalization that was against precedence and then gay sex uh, to the legalization of gay sex was against precedence and I'm like how dare you use like these cases of overturning um, uh, those decisions where liberties were expanded to justify the overturning of this presidents it's it's like such a big like slap in the face to me like and like this like opinion against groups like to even think like that. And then uh, along with that, I know that other folks, right, are um, worried for women, worried for folks who might need abortions and I, and I say folks specifically cuz those aren't always women, but uh, worry about those and access, but also still worry that this is just the beginning. Right, and that a lot of these uh, liberties and good that has been done to expand liberties are going to start um, going away. And um, Alito addresses that too, but it's like I, 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 who can, you can't trust you can't trust him and can't trust them. And so I not only worry for uh, the folks um, in this country that need to access abortion, but I worry for all vulnerable and marginalized folks right now um, and hope that we can band together to create whatever change is necessary.
0: Gosh, what do I say after that? Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, 100%. Like, if I could do the little red emojis, 100, 100, 100, I would, because I 100% agree with with all of that. I think it is just a crazy, scary time. I tweeted Mm -hmm. earlier that um, I went to the Planned Parenthood website, and it didn't work, Mm -hmm. and I freaked out. I was like, oh my god. It's happening. Oh, it's man. here. Like you know, I think maybe, maybe I don't know. It was just doubt. I have no idea, but it scared me. Literally had a panic, and I was like, "Oh my god, this Let is me check started it right already." Now, it's already. Bro. So go donate. You know, sign up for their their petition and rally. They have all this stuff on their website. Please do something if you you know care about this issue, and you should. Um, that twenty percent or whatever it was, seventeen percent that don't have an opinion either way, get you an opinion okay get you an opinion um but yeah i think like this is terrifying i also agree that i do feel like this is just the beginning like what else are they going to try to overturn now and um one of the things i saw i can't remember what um where i saw this but it was kind of like donald trump fulfills his campaign promise Mm. he promised evangelicals and one of the reasons they voted for him was that he was going to get abortion repealed um and or Roe v. Wade overturn, you know, all of that. And they were like, he's making evangelicals happy and he's not even in office anymore. He said that he was going to um, stack the Supreme Court in such a way that, you know, people, um, people would feel happy that abortion was a return, you know, that he fulfilled his promise. I'm sad. I had this like big professional accomplishment earlier, um, earlier that day, and was so happy. And then came home and was like, What in the fuck? Like, you win one thing, you make a win in on the racism side, and you lose on the sexism side. It's like you can never make progress. But I'm gonna be hopeful. I'm not gonna send out that bad message. But it, it's hard. It's hard. It's like, come on.
1: Mm. I don't know. Yeah, uh, you and I, I. just
0: pray like the Supreme Court comes to its senses, gets its shit together before that opinion is formalized in June or whenever it's supposed to drop. Uh,
1: I'm not holding my breath <laughs> not <laughs> not not for not for them to uh, <laughs> uh, create, uh, come through and do the right thing um i think we're gonna have to hopefully uh, other solutions are found which i know they're talking about in the senate through congress and so uh if there's ever a time i know yo if you got some local elections coming up get your ass out and vote this is that's right this is the perfect time where we need folks to stay bold So listeners, the Planned Parenthood website is up and running. Um, Some of the best way that we can be advocates and support is not only by giving our time, but our money, especially to the folks that are out there doing the work and on the front lines. They know how to use your financial resources in the best manner to really get us um, to a place where this country has better access to abortion. So please donate uh, to plannedparenthood.org